Episode 306, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Season 6, Episode 8, Collision Course, Part 1. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here because I like to make podcasts about Marvel's Cinematic Universe. And today that means I'm going to be talking about Collision Course Part 1, which is part of Season 6 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm alone here today, uh, here in the Mobile Command Center, or whatever we want to call this, uh, really, I love the mobile command center that Sarge and his group have. That is a really, really just a cool way uh, for them to travel and get around and nice visual with the Mad Max truck thing going on. And it's kind of unusual, but at the same time, it's really, really practical. And yeah, just a really I'm, I'm saying the word really a lot. Um, I'm really saying it way too many times, but. Uh, it's just a, a cool uh, way to get around. And yeah, I would love for this mobile command center that we have here at Welcome to Level 7 to be that kind of thing. It's not. Um, in fact, the only thing that makes it mobile and a mobile command center is that it's a laptop that gets moved around a lot. And even that, this isn't even my usual laptop. Um, some I, I can't remember if we mentioned it in any previous episodes, but... Uh, Right along the time when I was finally getting out of my busy season, my laptop died. I mean, it it was D-E-A-D, dead. It would boot up to where you could put in your password, and then it would go back around and cycle back, so you have to do it again. And then it sometimes would go to this weird gray screen that I'd never seen before. And then if you booted it up in recovery mode, it would go to a different gray screen. By different gray, I mean it was literally a different shade of gray. Um so we're hoping that we're going to be able to get that repaired. Uh, the good news from that is that all the data on there I was able to save. Um, so scripts that I've been writing and other things I've been recording, uh, I was able to save that stuff. I was able to save um, the materials that allowed me to uh, use the elements here that I'm using on my wife's computer right now. Uh, but that is what makes this a mobile command center is that it's a microphone plugged into my wife's laptop that moves around a little bit from one room to the next. So for what it's worth, there's that. Uh, yeah. So collision course part one, uh, I have to say, uh, they did a great job of giving it a title that is exactly what it's going to be. And so they're kind of, uh, following the whole runaways, um, pattern there, you know, let's just, let's just give it a, a very, very obvious, title and honestly as soon as the episode started i realized oh we've got all we've got these groups of people traveling they're moving toward a destination they're all headed toward the same destination um i imagined <laughs> this isn't i mean i'm not saying this to brag because this is not like oh super special insight you know because i'm a writer so I, no no no, it's nothing like that it's pretty obvious um but the ending of this episode was exactly the ending i was expecting just with the bomb thrown in there i didn't realize there'd be a bomb 
throw it in there, but I was expecting all everyone converging on that one point. Uh, so kudos to them for throwing the bomb in there that I wasn't expecting. But uh, this episode also, there's a lot of good character stuff in this episode and a lot of good character moments where they, uh, where people are playing each other, where people are acting based on what their character would be. They're hiding things from each other. Uh, that's one of the best things that you can use for drama. Um, drama, good drama comes from either characters knowing something that other characters don't know, or also you, the audience, knowing something that the characters don't know. That's that's tension. That's also tragedy. Uh, tragedy is when characters are headed toward a, on a course that they don't know where it is ending, but it's going to end badly. And you, as the audience, know it's going to end badly. Uh, you may not know exactly how it's going to end badly, but if you know it's a tragedy, you know that it will uh, eventually. So this one, you know, the, the ending of this episode was what I was expecting it to be, but there were some surprises along the way. And so I'm just going to go ahead and get started and take this on the way I would normally, I guess, uh, with with co-hosts here. I'm, I'm tackling the solo because we we got way off schedule and this is the time that we have time to, to do things. And so we're going to. Uh, we're sneaking in recordings as often and as quickly as we can just to try and get caught up. Uh, although with the latest news, um, getting caught up with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. suddenly doesn't become as urgent because it's season seven is a summer season as well. And so that's that's kind of good news. It's also kind of bad news. Uh, the news being that it's canceled after season seven. That's, that's kind of bad news. Um, but at the same time, I think that they've, they've had a good run. I mean, seven seasons, even if some of the seasons are shortened, that's a good run for any TV show. And the, the ratings right now for this season are really good. Uh, it's number one in its time slot on Friday, which, you know, okay, so sure, it's not number one for the week, but it's number one for its time slot on Friday, which means that's it's, it's more eyeballs are on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Friday at eight o'clock than anything else on any other network. And that's, I think, partially, I think the time slot of Friday, eight o'clock summer have really helped. Uh, you add in then the, you know, people who are streaming it after the fact. And, you know, it's a pretty strong showing for for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now in this summer season. And I'm enjoying the summer season. I I was hoping that my kids were going to get caught up with this season Um because we're, you know, we're only in season three as we're watching it uh, as a family, quote unquote, it's not the whole family because my wife's not interested and my one son is too young still, but uh, we're enjoying it as a family and they were disappointed that they weren't going to be able to watch it live on TV with me. And you know what? I have a feeling that we at least have enough time to get to season seven and watch it live on TV when we get to season seven. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, um, the show is doing great, and I think that everyone's feeling good about it because it has a new new breath, new life. Uh, you know, they're doing new things with the show, you know, doing the space stuff and, you know, doing episodes like um, the most recent episode with uh, – not the most recent episode, the one before last episode, which was the – inescapable, I think is what it was called, but the Fitzsimmons one where they're in their heads and everything. And, you know, that was a, a great 
and unusual episode. And then you have uh, Deke's episode and, and how that had the post credit ending with um, Marissa Tantron and how she, you know, did did her whole uh, um, Insta blog thing or whatever. And so they're doing some imaginative things. I think they're just having fun. And in a way, I think they're just having fun because they don't have to worry about anything. The The show is, in essence, done. And I was surprised, actually, to find out that production for season seven started way back already earlier this year um, before Endgame. Uh, I knew season six obviously was in play before Endgame, but season seven was actually also being created. And so I'm, I'm really curious if they had a chance to figure out how they were going to dovetail into that. But right now, season six and season seven, from what I understand, they're not worrying about the movie side of things. They're just telling their own story. And I think that that's also a little bit freeing for them is that this is not anymore that situation of the tale being wagged by the dog, but the tail actually gets a little bit of autonomy by not worrying about what the dog is doing. The tail is just along for the ride and kind of flipping and flopping this way and that, whichever way it wants to go. And so that also brings life to it. And then the other thing is Sarge. Sarge brings life to the show. That's a very different kind of life. I'm so glad we haven't lost Clark Gregg. I'm glad Clark Gregg is still around. Um, we need his presence. Uh, there's still that mystery of his DNA, which they bring it up in this episode. And, and he doesn't talk about where he comes from because he says the past is the past. It's not important. What's important is the future. What's important is two questions. You know, all the questions about my past don't matter, but the questions that do matter are uh, how are we going to stop uh, Izel, Izel? And then the other question is, how are we going to get away if how are we going to survive if we fail? Those are the two things that matter about the future right now. He's not going to reveal anything about his past because to him, it doesn't matter. Uh, I really want to find out his past, but the mystery that they're putting into this, he's got the same DNA. He is, for all intents and purposes, the same guy, except that he says he's 100 years old. And, you know, and so what is he? Is he a clone? Is he a duplicate? Uh, is he a twin? <laughs> you know, I mean, what what's going on with Sarge? And, you know, they keep bringing up this mystery. So they better give us a solution to this mystery. But this mystery is really, really interesting. And I almost wonder if some of the mystery is that he was almost created to be on Earth for such a time as this. You know, this Sarge is the hero that Earth needs right now to stop the Shrike menace. And so somehow in some sort of timey-wimey thing, um, Coulson gets duplicated and the trajectory for Sarge is going to bring him here. Now, I don't know how that would fit with the backstory that's already been given. The backstory that's already been given for this episode is pretty straightforward. The way he says it, she destroyed my family. I'm going to destroy her. And he says that she is motivated by hate. And then they ask him, what's he motivated by? And he says, love. And then he says, I'm ah, just kidding. It's hate. I'm totally motivated by hate. So, you know, I, I don't know where that is going. I don't know what that is going to mean. Um, you know, how how does this fit into anything? You know, he's coming to Earth. This is not his home that he's coming to. Uh, so. What does that mean for where he comes from? 
And, you know, it still brings up the idea, is he from a multiverse? Um, now, some people are saying right now, because of the way that the TV is going and the way that the movies went, that we are in a different universe right now because nothing happened with Thanos in this universe. So here is the point where I am going to not play the spoiler organ, but I'm going to warn you that I'm going to talk about Endgame. Um, and there's going to be two minutes of talking about Endgame. And I know because I timed it. And I'm using time travel to record things here. Uh, but it is something that, you know, to talk about, about uh, where where Coulson is, where timeline things happen and what's the deal with uh, timelines and how Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. matches up with Endgame, which spoiler alert, um, it doesn't very well. So uh, I'm going to talk spoilers now about Endgame. I think it's safe to do so. I think um, most people who would listen to this podcast have probably seen Endgame, but if you haven't, I don't want to spoil it for you. And so when I say go, that's when you're going to scrub ahead to about two minutes and 20 seconds into the future of this podcast. So you can skip over what I'm talking about with uh, with Endgame and and uh, our spoiler policy is if we have talked about it on the podcast, we are going to be able to spoil it if we've talked about it in the past. But for most of the big movies, we do hold on to spoilers and try not to spoil things. So you can fast forward now to about the 15 minutes and 45 second mark. And I'm going to start talking about Endgame right now. And, you know, the truth of the matter is it could be it could be that this is the universe. Uh, and, and now I'm getting into spoilers here of uh, Endgame. But Thanos from the past was brought into the future and destroyed in the future. And so how all the timelines align and, and coordinate and, and, you know, reaffix themselves, however that works um, in the context of the time travel that was happening in in Endgame. Well, you know, maybe, just maybe, uh, this is another timeline where that Thanos, who was plucked from the past and killed in the future, that that's a, that created a branch. And you have a universe that never even had to deal with Thanos. Uh, now, the reason that doesn't work is because our TV show started with Coulson coming back to life because he was killed by Loki who was on a mission from Thanos. So the time travel loop is not perfect, not by a long shot. And so whatever this theory might be, I don't know. I, I'm hoping that the writers of the show at least have enough time to figure out something for episode 10 or 11 of season seven, where they can go back and say, okay, we are going to make things line up again, whether it's we were in another universe and now boop, we're going to come back to the original universe and when they come back to the original timeline the prime mcu timeline when when our characters are brought back to that uh the blip has happened and everything's happened and they're actually you know having to play catch up for the last seven years or, or maybe more depending on on what kind of timeline we're looking at as far as when agents of shield started and and when the blip happened and the five years you know and all that stuff so uh, i don't know i don't know this is the end of the spoilers from Endgame. And yes, I'm going to talk now just about Collision Course. 
So this episode really plays a lot of balancing acts here. One is there is a lot of exposition that has to happen. Um, and that's actually this whole season. This whole season has just had a lot of exposition. And it's interesting because uh, actually just recently on another podcast, the uh, the the uh, supporter exclusive podcast for supersonic pod comics. Um, we talked about how you have to show, not tell, but when you're doing audio, you have to be very careful and you have to really, you're going to be telling a lot, but you have to pretend you're not telling, you know, you have to stealth tell and pretend that you're showing. And this is true for anything. I mean, any kind of storytelling at all, you are going to be, you're telling no matter what the question is, can you dress it up so that it looks like you're showing so that it's a part of character development. So it's moving things forward without necessarily uh, just saying, here's what happened. Here's the past. Here's this situation. Here's this, here's that uh, show. Don't tell is a writer's axiom because uh, you don't want to just give facts you don't want to make just a bullet point list of things that happen. And it happens in comics a lot. Actually, it happens in a comic that I was just editing for someone where um, there was just exposition after exposition. And the way that they did it was news reports, which is a very, very um, simple way to just show what's going on. What, where did this character come from? What has happened in the recent past and that sort of thing? Uh, the trick is, and this is this is my <laughs> writing teacher and me coming out, but when you do exposition, you want to do it in such a way that you are revealing personality as well, that you're revealing relationship possibly, or you're revealing motivation possibly, or you're revealing you know that a character is lying. And so the exposition is coming out, but the exposition is not necessarily it's not trustworthy it's unreliable it's from an unreliable narrator and that's what you have here with sarge is that he is unreliable and he's saying things that it feels like the truth or at least is a partial truth but they know he's not telling them everything and so he becomes an unreliable source of exposition then on the flip side of that so well, okay, back to Sarge, though, before we go to the flip side, back to Sarge with Sarge, he's revealing things to them. And in doing so, it is building tension and it is creating relationship. It is creating, you know, cracks in the relationship because he's not telling them everything. You know, he he's saying, you know, I'm here to kill her. I've got this sword. Well, the sword is going to be used but he needs to weaken her first and he's not telling them about the bomb. And so the exposition that he's giving them, it's all, you know, is it real? Is it not real? And, and it creates tension and it creates um, drama and conflict. And that's what you want in storytelling. And so, you know, with, with exposition as a, as a newsreel, which it happens all the time. Uh, it's just, can you inform, and infuse it with personality or with energy and not everything has to push a story forward. You know, um, it, this, this came up in, in a writing class that I took once where they were talking about musicals and how every single song in a musical has to push forward character development has to push forward motivation, or it has to really, really entertain. And so you have some songs in a musical where, yeah, it, it doesn't move the story forward. It doesn't reveal anything about the characters. It's just fun and it's funny. And in that way, I guess maybe it is about character because, oh, I like that character. I like uh, Eliza Doolittle's 
father because he has these two funny songs that he does. And the only reason I bring that one up is because I, I actually got to play that part in, in our college uh, musical. And I, and so I, I remember, you know, the two songs that, that Doolittle had, they really don't push anything forward plot wise for the main characters, but they're fun, they're funny and they're catchy. And so you can do these cliched expositions as long as you're going to do so in a way that is engaging. And so when Sarge is talking, I'm engaged. When Sarge is talking to Mac and they're having their back and forth and Mac is doing his negotiation thing, I'm engaged with that. Where I'm not as engaged is when they get a report from Benson <laughs> because it feels like they're reading a report. Unfortunately, they cut away so we don't get all of the reading. And then Mac represents the report to to Daisy. No, to Yo-Yo rather. And and so there you have these great examples to me of with Sarge, he is all about telling, telling exposition, backstory, telling, 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 but it's character and it's drama and it's conflict and it's, you know, is it real? Is it not? Will Mac be able to convince Sarge to do what he needs to do? Or will Sarge, you know, get the upper hand? There's layers happening at the same time. Uh, with the Benson report, it's just here's information. Look at this. Now here's a picture. Look at this. And having a picture on the screen is not the same as showing, not telling. It's it's just it's just not. Just because you're showing a picture doesn't mean you're following what we're saying when we say show, don't tell. And as I said in that other podcast that probably none of you are ever going to hear unless you do go over to supersonic pod comics and, and become a patron and supporter there. But, um, so I'll just give it to you here for free. Uh, I, I say, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be show. Don't tell it's work hard at the illusion of showing. So you have the illusion that you're not telling and that you're, you're not just presenting facts because everything in fiction is really you telling. Um, so anyway, that's the line. That's the tightrope that this episode and all the episodes leading up to this point have been walking. So let's go back to Mac then. Um, Mac in this episode, it's very interesting. You, know, He's talking about finding his own way of doing things and looking for his own way of doing things up until this point in the in the season. And I think we're kind of seeing it here. Mac is a people person. He is a negotiator. He is someone who is able to figure out what does this other person want? What does this other person need? And how can I use that to get what I want and what I need? And, and he does that a couple different times. Uh, he's done it now a couple times leading up to this point, but he does it with Sarge. And now maybe Sarge got to play Mac because Sarge is like, I want my team. I want my team. I want my team. And Mac is saying, no, you know, I'm going to give you one person from your team and you're going to take two people from my team. And and so Sarge is, nope, I want two. I want two. I want two. And Mac is just, no. And he explains straight up, I think you will come back for two, but you won't come back for one. And when you come back, I want you to come back. And when you do come back, I am going, we're going to have a serious conversation about where you come from. And so Sarge agrees. And it feels like, you know, Mac has the upper hand. Now, Mac was right about coming back for one because at the end of the episode, then Sarge leaves snowflake behind. He leaves behind one because he's going to go and get two. And you know, it's the math. Now the math in that situation 
that he's doing involves him surviving because he's able to use the the portal thing that they are able to do to escape himself. And he just couldn't take the time to get Snowflake. He has to get out. So, you know, it's it's that whole, you know, when a family is voting for something and the dad says, my vote counts for two. You know, that's Coulson there when he's doing or not Coulson. <laughs> that's Sarge there. As Sarge is doing the math, uh, his own survival is has far greater weight than anyone else's. And I'm wondering if that's part of why maybe he's failed in the past to save other planets. Maybe he's failed to save other planets because of the math, he has to survive. He is going to survive. And that might be another thing that separates him from Coulson is that Coulson values life. Sarge values his own life. And with the math, with the math, with the scales, you know, the, the bomb going off is going to kill thousands and thousands of people. Well, it's going to save a lot more than that. And it's as simple as that. If it means the death of thousands of people, but the whole planet gets to survive and I get my revenge, so be it. So be it. And that's just the way Sarge works. That's just the way Sarge works. It's not the way Coulson works. Now, beyond that, they work very similarly where they're able to, you know, work out the plan, make up. I mean, Sarge is still the man with the plan. Sarge is still the one who is, you know, steps and steps and steps ahead. Um, and, you know, and Mac and the team are trying to play catch up with him as he, when he escapes the, the truck, you know, it's just as simple as he's going to, he knows he's just going to be able to step right off this truck and step right into the base. Well, they're in a plane, even better, <laughs> even better. Uh, so that's, that's Sarge and Mac and, and they're Mac is showing himself to be a very good leader though. The second way that, that Mac leads well by negotiating is with Deke where he brings in Deke and it's like, Deke, I need you to go on this mission. And Deke says no way. And so they negotiate again. Uh, and this time Mac has really, really has the upper hand, but he mentions, you know, I'm not going to show anyone the thing that gave me 2% stock in your company or two percent share in your company um he if he i'm not gonna reveal that if you go and you're gonna give me more you know and and so he negotiates and he negotiates well and deke goes on the mission now the problem with deke being on the mission is it's really disturbing but snowflake takes an interest in deke and snowflake is the one that uh, that Sarge chose and it almost makes me wonder if Sarge chose Snowflake because she was the most expendable or she was be the most useful in a situation where Sarge has to escape and you know he needs someone who maybe is more bloodthirsty I'm not I'm not sure but I do wonder if Sarge took her with him because she's expendable she's not as needed as as Jocko or Pax uh, who, by the way, Pax, I've completely forgotten that he was even still alive <laughs> in this series. Um, and he is. He is still alive. And he kills someone and um, he keeps freaking out. And Jocko is just, man, calm down. Sarge has a plan. Man, calm down. Sarge has a plan. Just calm down. There's a plan. It's okay. And, and Pax can't calm down. And so some interesting things with that whole situation, because they, uh, you know, Pax is able to take out one of the guards, but the guard 
uh, and he kills the guard. Uh, and so then he lets out Jocko and Yo-Yo gets both Pax and Jocko back in to where they were, you know, back in chains and back in the containment pod uh, very, very easily, almost too easily. Well, why was it too easy? Because uh, they're going to get let out again by by Sarge. And I do like the way that they've been doing a couple of these. It's been too easy. Like last episode where it was very easy for them just to find the two Shrike infested people. Well, it was very, very easy, but then it was also horrible. And so one of the things about drama in writing, and I guess I'm this is just the episode where I'm going to talk about writing, but um, is in drama, you want what what's the next thing? worst thing that can happen. So as they step into the next situation, what's the worst thing that can happen as they step into the next situation? What's the worst thing that can happen for yo-yo? The worst thing that can happen is not that they escape. It's that Sarge is going to come and it does create some pretty interesting drama. You know, so you have that ending where all three of the things are coming together, the truck, the Zephyr and the spaceship. They're all coming together to that tower and, you know, the drama is heightened because Sarge is now on the plane and no one knows it. And the drama is heightened because they're looking for the bomb and they can't find the bomb. And can they can they uh, defuse the bomb in time? And um, the the drama then also is is there because we find out now that uh, it's Eisel who is on the spaceship and boy, Stuart and I think it's Agent Dylan. I'll have to look it up on my email here to see, but, um, Eisel is the Shrike maker. She's, she's the beast. And who called it? Well, not me. I didn't call it, but Stuart did. And yeah, it was, uh, agent Dylan who on June 29th sent an email that said, I don't trust Eisel. In fact, I think she's killer Shrike. And, um, I don't know exactly how they're going to MCU killer Shrike as a character into this, you know, it, or if they're even going to try, you know, and just Eisel just has the name, you know, she's, uh, she's KS Sino, KS, so Casino, Casino, KSINO, Killer Shrike in name only. Um, is that possible? Sure, it's, it's possible, but, uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, she is coming and she's on her way. She's infected all the other people on the ship except for Fitz and Simmons. And so she might have a plan for them. It's interesting. She talks about how um, it's nice to have kind beings. Everyone else in the universe are either thieves or fools. And I can't help but think that maybe she's being a little sarcastic and that uh, Fitz and Simmons don't know who she is. And they are also to be considered not thieves, but fools. But I'm not sure what her plan is for them. But everyone else on the ship is they're shrikeified and acting weirder than they already were. Uh, the reveal of her creating the shrike creature in her hands was was kind of cool, um, but it was a little bit spoiled by the the way that it was predicted by by Dylan and Stuart for me. But that's OK. It's fine. So let's see. Moving forward here. Oh, back to Snowflake and Deke. Um, that's disturbing. And Deke, unfortunately, feels like. Yeah, he needs someone so much that he's going to settle for someone like Snowflake, who is um, recognizing the beauty of his soul and wanting to set it free. So relationship advice to you. 
If you have someone who shows an interest in you and they recognize the beauty of your soul, that is a good thing. That is a very good thing. If you have someone who is showing interest in you and they recognize the beauty of your soul and want to set it free, that is a bad thing. That is a very bad thing. And and do not pursue that relationship. I don't care how nice they seem to be or how good looking they are. Just stay away from them because they are murdering murderers who murder. And actually, you would think Deke would know that she is a murdering murderer who murders, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe they didn't tell him that part. Uh, So the other thing that's going on is there's a lot of um, back and forth with Sarge and Daisy and where she tries to get him to talk. We talked a little bit about that conversation, about the two questions that matter. Um, And it just doesn't go anywhere. We do get a little bit of the backstory. We do find out later when he's sitting down with May and Daisy uh, the, the three of them, he does explain my family was was killed and I want revenge and I'm going to get my revenge. Uh, some other interesting stuff going on here is Fitz and Simmons do find out what it is that Eisel seems to be after, which is the monoliths. And the last place that in the galaxy where monoliths were found were Chronicom 2 which she destroyed because she didn't find him there. Uh, This is a very long game that this person is playing, which I'm wondering how the timelines all fit together. We are going to have to have a really serious conversation about this as Mac has asked for, because there's just so much going on there. There's so much going on. What, how does it all fit together? How does it all fit together? But she's after the monoliths and the monoliths, she said, were created to connect life together. And then she talks about Sarge, who knows the truth about her. Well, she knows the truth about him. He knows truth about her. But she says he just wants to destroy her. Uh, The other good conversation that we have here is Mac and Yo-Yo. They have the big man conversation. And she says, yeah, you working with you involves a lot of looking up. And then he says, well, not many people are looking up to me. And she says, no, everyone believes in you. He says, well, I wish I could say the same. And this is where we're getting that, you know, we're moving forward with this leader. We need to move forward with this leader and get him to lead. He needs to lead and lead well and have faith in himself. And as someone who leads a team as part of my day job, I have to say, I am with you, Mac. I don't believe in myself a lot of the time. And, and I, I do wonder sometimes, do I not believe in myself because my team doesn't believe in me? Or do I not believe in myself in spite of my team actually believing in me? And I think it's usually the latter. I think my team, you know, does believe in me. They, they you know, and, I, and I, I second guess and I wonder, you know, can I lead well? And, and then you get a person on your team who really does not believe in you. And that makes it even worse when you're second guessing, am I doing my job right or well? Uh, so anyway, Mac is, you know, having that crisis and he, he's working through it. And I just want him to finally get through it already. You know, just lead well, man, because you can, we've all been rooting for you. I, when I was doing the watch through with my kids, I, I was surprised how long ago, uh, things were turned over and put in Sarge's hands in end of season two, I think beginning of season three, I mean, him being the director of shield, there is precedence for this. There is precedence for this when Colson had to leave and, and he said, I'm leaving this with you. You're in charge. You're your director right now. Uh, and so for Colson, when he's dying to leave it in his hands, the, there is precedence here. There's absolutely precedence. Mac, you can do the job, man. Just believe in yourself. 
And I say that knowing it's not that easy. You can't just say, just believe in yourself. It has to be earned. Trust has to be earned. I think sometimes, you know, trust has to be earned from other people, but honestly, trust has to be earned from yourself for yourself as well. You have to prove to yourself that you can do it. And, but Mac is doing well. Again, the negotiating Mac, the, the guy who goes in, figures out what do they want? What do they need? And, and how can I use that to help save the world? So anyway, by the end, everyone is on a collision course and the music is building and it's choral music, no less. Uh, so that tells us something really, really big is about to happen. Uh, the ship is coming to land with Fitzsimmons and Eisel, uh, however you say her name. They are the only ones who are, you know, in charge of their own actions. Uh, the truck is on its way. The bomb is trying, you know, trying to take care of the bomb. And the Zephyr is on its way with Sarge and Jocko and Pax. And that's it. That's the end of the episode to be continued. And as much as I'm kind of, you know, dismissing, I guess, the fact that, hey, we know where we're headed with this. Uh, I don't know where we're headed with the next episode. I mean, I'm anticipating that no one is going to die uh, except for maybe Eisel and maybe Pax or Jocko could could join the, the death ranks. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with Snowflake and Deke. That's a thing that I never thought um, would happen. But, you know, Deke is a wild card. And, you know, are we looking at Snowflake joining the team? That, that would be interesting. It would definitely bring a, a new and different uh, dynamic to things. But... Yeah, all in all, you know, this has been a good season and this feels like it's a, a good episode in that good season. So that is the main episode, but something I was not expecting with the tag scene. Uh, Enoch, he connects with someone else. Uh, I think it was Isaiah that he was connecting with, uh, talking about gathering up the surviving Chronicoms, but there are some surviving Chronicoms that he does not want to contact right now because... They're not happy with him right now. And some of those other surviving Chronicoms, the ones that are not happy with him right now, they were, they're thinking, okay, well, we could go to Earth and find Fitz and Simmons, or they've got Fitz and Simmons' brain right there. And so I don't know if that means they downloaded their subconscious. I mean, that seems like it could have been a good starting place, you know, <laughs> instead of dealing with a whole X factor of human emotion, they could have just downloaded the brains and let them go on their way. But right now, um, the Chronicoms are still looking for, I guess, the secret to time travel. And so what are we headed towards? I, I don't know. But we only have a few more episodes left in this season. This was episode eight. Uh, episode nine has been released as of this recording. And episode 10 will be released probably before this recording gets released. Uh, and then there's only three more episodes after that. So, I mean, we're, we're well, well into the, we're into the second half of the season. And I'm also hearing that season six will end with a cliffhanger that we're going to have to wait almost a year or at least a year minus 13 weeks uh, to see what happens in season seven. So We'll just have to go from there. 
So for now, that's this episode of Welcome to Level 7. Thank you so much for joining me uh, after the credits. I will be sticking around to talk a little bit about Swamp Thing, the series on the DC Universe streaming service. I've talked about it before. They are a handful of episodes into that, and they have just a couple episodes left because it's only going to be 10 episodes long. And so um, I'm curious... Uh, what's going to happen there, but I'll talk a little bit about that after the credits. For now, thank you so much for listening. And I do apologize uh, if I was, uh, you know, not quick enough on the spoiler alert and, you know, if I wasn't able to leading up to that spoiler alert, uh, you know, lead up into it well uh, as far as the, maybe the accidental dropping of some sort of, Spoiler, as I'm trying to talk about things in ways that, you know, you can talk around it. Uh, but the fact is, I'm sorry, I'm not very fluent in vague. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one 55 level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is The Light Fantastic by J.S. Earls, and you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. I just realized that because I'm using these older templates um, <clears throat> that uh, still has the Noodle Mix Network stuff on there, but I, until I unlock these secrets from my old computer, uh, I'm not going to be able to use that right now. So I might have to make some changes sooner rather than later. But anyway, um, Swamp Thing, the series, if anyone cares, is delivering. It's delivering a decent series. I'm disappointed. It is not as great as I was hoping it to be. Um, and, and even now knowing that they got closed down from 13 to 10 episodes, I feel like they're spinning their wheels a little bit here. And, uh, it's just, you know, it's not, it's not the greatest. I'm enjoying it because it's swamp thing and it's on TV. And just like we have these extra two seasons of agents of shield, we never thought we'd get, I'm getting a season of Swamp Thing on DC Universe that I never thought I'd get, but I really, really wanted it to be uh, a stronger show. And it it's interesting because it just, uh, it, I feel like it's flirting with being episodic and yet it just can't bring itself to completely go that way. And so there's, there is some form of new darkness that they deal with in every episode, but nothing really feels like it's happening. And so I'm hoping that changes soon, but uh, I just I don't know if it will. So anyway, that is the report there. For those of you who care uh, about how much I care <laughs> about Swamp Thing, uh, that's that's my information for you. Uh, let's see here. It looks like 
Yeah, actually. So they just released uh, episode seven. Episode eight is coming up soon. So only three more episodes there. Uh, anyway, yeah, kind of a boring post credit, I guess, now that I think about it. But that's what I had thought about doing. And I don't know. I'm just going to stick with it, you know, loud and proud and um, ambivalent <laughs> about this show. All right. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later.